Welcome to Left on Red, the Daily Mountain Eagles political history podcast. I'm Jennifer Coron. And I'm Drew Gilbert. And this week we have an amazing interview for you Man. with a very energetic young mayor who is not a co-host of this podcast. His name is no. Corey Franks. We're going to call him, uh, just, just to keep everyone in check, the second youngest mayor in Walker mm-hmm. County. I just want everybody to understand that. <laughs> right. Uh, he's a little older than yours, truly. Uh, so Corey and I have developed a relationship uh, since he was elected, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've got a lot of the same maxims and what we want to see in Walker County and how we think we can do it. And we, we did it with kind of a youthful energy, which, let me just say, tip of the cap to Corey Frank and the mm-hmm. youthful energy department. He certainly is destroying me there. Right. Um, but we've had some of these conversations before. Some of the things we talk about, uh, he and I have talked about, I just didn't know where we were going to go. And man, uh, I'm, I'm very thankful. Uh, Corey brought his A game. So mm-hmm. uh, y'all buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> if um, uh, I don't think there's anything that would say would be offended, but if hard conversations aren't your thing, if really trying to see the world from a different perspective yeah. isn't your thing, um, then you may find this interview a little difficult. Yeah. But um, I hope. It's challenging. It's certainly challenging to sit in the room and just listen to him riff on some of the things that he talked well, about. Well, and if I could sidebar uh, with all of my Caucasian males out there real quick, mm-hmm. um, sometimes, guys, we need to feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it just needs to happen. Um, so kind of, you know, take your defenses down and listen, maybe, and process data uh, but that that's something we need to be very active in in our community. It's it's how we can help make things that aren't as good as they can be a little bit better. So uh, try that approach as you listen. And use this as your test case because if just listening to Corey Franks uh, is too much for you, you're probably not ready to engage with an actual human on yeah. these issues yeah. so because because <laughs> he's because he is more than ready to lay it on the line for and you. And if you are ready to engage um, in in you know, polite discourse, um, you know, we'll get you hooked up with Corey. He'll, mm-hmm. he'll sit down on a couch yep. and have a conversation with you. So, uh, so just buckle up and get ready for this interview with Corey. We'd like to welcome our guest, Walker County Sheriff's Deputy and Oakman Mayor, Corey Franks. Hey, Corey. Hello. Now, officially, should we put mayor first? Because that's like his, his big title. I don't know how that works. How do, I went how with do you the one where I presume referenced? he gets paid more. The one that actually pays the bills and feeds you? Yeah, neither one of them really does that, but <laughs> so I'm good with either one. Either way, either yeah. direction. Um, Jen, you kicking off or am I? Well, let's start with how you got into law enforcement. How many years have you been in law enforcement now? Um, I'm, uh, I'm in my ninth year. This your only career or is it a second career for you? Um, this is like my only full-time career. Well, besides mayor. Okay. Did, did Which, you do something before yeah. law enforcement? What I'm asking oh, you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's I what worked over there named Mark Jack. It was, oh, Marsha, it was Marsha Durbin. That yeah, was before the name had changed. Yeah, that was nothing yeah. but a motivation job for me. Okay. Yeah. Getting you right. Now, you were young, though, when you went to law <laughs> was, enforcement. How old were you? Um, oh, my God, man. My math. 20. Oh, sure. 28. 28. Yeah. And then, uh, did Connie recruit you? Is that right? When she was the chief? Yeah, she did. She hired me. Oh, see, this is where I was going. I didn't know this. So that's that, how you got into law enforcement. A nugget that I had, Jennifer. That's a conversation we yes. had before. Okay. Um, so tell me more about that. Like, how did she approach? Did she just, like, go to Marjack and be like, come on, guys, let's no. be cops together. <laughs> she did a recruitment, like, no. No, recruitment so, thing. So what happened is, um, at the time, I was working at the trailer plants in Addison. Mm-hmm. And I had... Um, Previously, before that, I was going to different departments around the county trying to get into law enforcement. Okay. Uh, nobody really seemed interested in kind of guiding me in a direction to go because I didn't have a clue at that time. And then I met up with Anthony Hammond. Anthony, yeah, Aunt Hammond. And, uh, you know, we, we formed a really close relationship, man. And then shortly after that, he got sick and had to get out of policing. But he was definitely my mentor in, in uh, guiding me and telling me about law enforcement and, you know, the ins and outs and things of that nature. And uh, I went to see Connie and uh, told her what I wanted to do, and she she told me what I needed to do. And I, when I once I'd done it, man, it was several months go by, and I didn't hear anything. I tested and all that. So she called me one day when I was at the trailer plant, and she said, I need to see you in my office. So 
I walked, I smooth walked out the trailer plant. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know if I had, a, I didn't know if I had a job or not. Right. I didn't, she didn't say she was going to hire me uh-huh. or anything like that. So, um, I just left and man, I get there and she was t- basically telling me why she couldn't hire me. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm like, this is not good because I don't, I mean, I, I mean, I had sawdust and paint all over me. I'm thinking, man, my life is, is fixing to change. Yeah. Well, it was cause I was fixing to have a job. Yeah. And so, man, she uh, she was telling me about a part of the application where it says, have you ever been arrested or not? And uh, I said no on the application because and, and at that point, I didn't know. It, when I was younger, we was at a party and I was in high school, right? So fight broke out, kid gets beat up, his mom pressed charges on everybody that was there pretty much because we were from Oakland and uh-huh. they were from Curry somewhere. So we, I went in and I turned myself in. And uh, I was acquitted of all that. There was there was nothing filed against me, so that was no big deal. And she was like, "Well, you say you've never been arrested." And I said, "Well, I haven't." And she said, "Well, yeah, that you counts. did." I said, "Well, no, I, nobody's ever put cuffs on me right. and said read me my rights. Right. I've never been arrested." And she said, "Well, that's kind of the same thing." <laughs> and man, I, I had no idea that at that point, as crazy as it sounds, I I, I didn't know that turning yourself in and physically being arrested yeah. by a police officer it was the same thing. Yeah. And because I've never un, I've never been in law, I've never been in law right. enforcement up to that point, so I didn't know. You know, I thought there was I thought that was too different. I thought you was doing a good thing, right. By yeah. going and turning I'm yourself a good in, citizen. yeah. I'm I mean, I'm going up. to turn myself yeah. in. Well, anyways, uh, man, we she talked to her, the administrators there, and um, man got some of the opinions of the officers who done who uh, kind of do the background checks and things when you're doing the hiring process, man, and um, man they. They all understood. Mm-hmm. They was like, well, you know what? Um, if somebody's never been in, in trouble or have never been at police, mm-hmm. I can see where they would think that. Yeah. And so, man, from that day forward, I got the job, and I've been policing ever since. And Connie Rowe has been, like, my favorite person in the world. That, that definitely changed my life. Yeah. Unfortunately, I missed her. We, we They interviewed her a few weeks back, and I, I had schedule conflict, so I didn't get to come, and man, I was a, sad. She has an interesting story. I've been texting her a little bit during the session. There's been a few pieces of legislation that interested me. So Yeah, yeah. She's, um, a, she's a great woman. I'm a, I'm a fan of Connie. So, te- so we're plugging along in law enforcement. Yeah. And then uh, you wake up and you're like, "Hey, I, you know, I don't really have enough going on in my life. I'm gonna try to be mayor of my hometown." Is, well, is that is that the that's how I picture it when I play <laughs> your story in my head? So. Yeah. So uh, I it, thought he is was going to say that he was inspired by you. Well, your, I, well, your, I, was, your, I, was, I was getting there. I was going to get there. So <laughs> he thought um, a pretty low if bar Cordova can hire that, a young mayor, absolutely. Absolutely. Oakman can. Uh, and that, and that's where it starts. And that's where it starts with anything when you're in our generational age group mm-hmm. and you see Drew down in Cordova and he's, he's uh, they're a little bigger than Oakman, but he's doing really good things in, in Cordova. And I'm, I've always thought, you know, you got to be old to mm-hmm. run for office or to do anything good for your community. And then, you know, Drew's doing his thing. He survived the tornadoes and uh, got Cordova going in a really positive direction. So I... Um, I entertained the idea with a friend of mine. I said, you know, uh, man, if if Drew can do it, I mean, I think I could do it, you know. Um, and so I started looking around the county at different things that was going on, and I was like, man, we're I don't want to see Oakman. Turn. We have a really good school in Oakman. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a really great school and really good athletics and really good kids. And I said, when we our town is not uh, reflecting that, and mm-hmm. uh, so I wanted to 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 run for mayor and kind of bring our town up to speed and start having festivals and start doing more things that involve the community and get people to be more prideful of, you know, our town and take care of it because I didn't want to see it kind of, you know, just kind of feather away like some other places. And so that's kind of what was, that was kind of my motivation. And, and we uh, had the tornado, which was destructive, but y'all had a few years of there was some upheaval in administrations. Yes. I imagine morale was yes. very low. Yes. And so Drew was rebuilding a town, and morale was part of that, but you were rebuilding, you just said, mm-hmm. like pride and confidence in the community. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, there was never, again, that nothing happened in Oakland. Like we have, a, we have a festival now every year. We have little things, daddy-daughter dances. Y'all do we, a tree lighting ceremony, yeah, which I'm jealous yeah, of. I've yeah. often thought to myself I should ask this one over here why yeah. we can't have a tree yeah, lighting ceremony. Yeah, we do ceremony. a tree lighting every, every year. We do a lot He's of things for 
We do a lot of things for the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we've formed a really good relationship with the high school and middle school administration. We, we started parking wrecks for our kids who mm-hmm. uh, never was introduced to those type of sports until high school. And so we were always behind other, other uh, kids in the county. So we've we've been able to do all these things, but it's because the people in the community start believing in in the town and That's believing it. in what we're yeah. doing, and and they've been supportive. So it's it's been really fun so far. So that's certainly the fulfilling side too, is seeing yeah. those little things that yeah. you just you know are making a good impact on the community. Tell me kind of the flip side of the coin, the the Debbie Downer moments for you, the like why the heck did I do this yes. moments. Tell me a little bit about juggling that because one of the things uh maybe you and i are the only people in this county really can can get behind is that full-time that career yeah trying to feed your family while also just trying to do this for your community yeah you're going to deal with negativity it's Mm -hmm. it's what's going to come with democracy we're we need to hold our leaders accountable and so we have to complain right that's what we do absolutely tell me a little bit about that so has that worn you out man it did at first i remember when i talked to you uh because i called you a lot yeah we (laughs) talked a lot we talked a lot so he's like hey man listen the the best thing you can do is get off facebook i'm like dude i'm not giving up facebook i can handle this well I gave it up for a little (laughs) while because man you know people that's not even from your town Mm -hmm. it's bashing you about every little thing yeah, that tough, you do, it? whether it's good, bad, or whatever. Somebody's yeah. bashing you because they're saying, you know, you got time to put on a tree light and you need to fix this pothole or, or yeah. something crazy. And yeah. I'm like, you know, you got people in the community that says, you know, you're doing all these all this other stuff. You should, you, you create park and rec. Why, why aren't you fixing the roads? Uh-huh. It's always the roads. Well, and they, and they, they don't want to understand. One of the things I learned very early on, and it related to the Facebook, um, breaking up or divorce or whatever it ended up being. They don't want to be educated. The certain segment of the population that wants to complain, if you explain that to them, they're just going to move on to the next thing and complain yeah. about it. Because some people just, it's in their nature to yeah. complain. I told my father-in-law the other day, he, was, uh, he said something about that was on Facebook, which I have a standing policy in my family. You're not allowed to tell me the negative things you read on Facebook. You're more than welcome to tell me the positive ones. Uh, but I told him, I said, I feel like there's two types of people in this scenario. There's people that actually go out and do in life, and there's people that sit at home and talk about the people that do. Yeah. And I said, I'm always going to be one of the doers. I may screw stuff up, but yeah. gummit, I'm going to be trying, right? Yeah. So that, it, it's frustrating. And there's, and I mentioned it earlier, there's this balance because we do need to be held accountable. I, I do screw up, have screwed up, will continue to screw up. I'm always trying to make it a little bit better, but sometimes I'm not going to. Yeah. You need people to call you in those moments, right? They need to call you out. But it's tough, like you said. I know the roads are awful in Cordova, the same as they are in (laughs) Oakman. I also know the stark reality of the tens of millions of dollars that it would cost to fix it. Yeah. If yeah. you want to come help me look in the couch cushions for for the funds, come on down. You know, people don't people think that I don't know, I guess they think it costs a couple hundred bucks to to fix a road and and you know, you're looking at let's just say a mile of roads, that's probably two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. For one mile, and it's like, where are we going to get two hundred fifty thousand dollars to? We we were fortunate right at the end of um, we had some holdback money come back in from a lot of the grants uh, after the storm. So we had uh, we we pay a certain percentage, and the federal government pays a certain percentage, mm-hmm. and then the state reimburses us eventually for some of what we paid. So we had some holdback money, and we ended up. Uh, in my seven years, we've probably spent a two hundred thousand, two fifty on roads. Yeah, I, I pay for like three or four small roads. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we got yeah. done. Yeah. It's more paving than has been done in thirty years. Yeah, and we try to be very strategic with where we did it and why yeah. we did it and how we did it. But goodness, it's yeah, expensive. How, how often could Oakman come up with a quarter of a million dollars? You know, just find that in the budget. That's a that's a tough thing. That's so, that's not. I mean, that's just not even. It's tough at this yeah. point. Like. If we couldn't come up with that in another eight years. <laughs> I mean, it really yeah. is. It's, it's tough. We're. Uh, I'm hoping we're able to, or whoever comes behind me is able with some of this gas tax money that's yeah. coming in, yeah. um, which I'll get. You know, it's based on population, so we'll. You know, we'll get about roughly double what open we yeah. get. Um, but still, you're talking. If you do that right, you can get a small road every year. Every year. Yeah. <laughs> now, talk about some of the improvements you were able to do in terms of grants, because I remember there was a time yeah. that, like, Corey Frank was in the paper, like, yeah. all the time talking yeah. about a grant, and that's when I really thought he uh-huh. is the new Who Drew Gilbert. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, talk about some of the improvements you were able to make because you went out there and got some grant money. Yeah, we did. We got we got uh, 
since I've been in office, this is my fourth year, and we've gotten over a million dollars in uh, grant money. And uh, we was able to do some major upgrades to our lagoon system. Yeah, yeah your, your water your system, system, right? Yeah, yeah. your water system is uh, very important. Uh, it's, it's one of those infrastructure things that mm-hmm. we was in dire need of upgrading. And so we were able to get that money. And uh, we was, so we done that, and uh, we were able to get some money for our senior center, uh, which we upgraded it and totally remodeled the senior center down there. Uh, we got money for, you know, just beautification projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alabama Power, you know, gives a grant, and so we got some of that stuff. Um, and that's mainly what what we've gotten so far. Um, it's just infrastructure, money for infrastructure, uh, mm-hmm. the, your things that you, the necessities that you have to fix. And so we we were able to do that. And um, with some of the capital improvement stuff, we we just use that money for the upgrades and, and stuff like that mm-hmm. in, around town. So I saw recently too. Y'all got some law enforcement money. We got yep. some of that too yep. from from Medeca. Yep. And uh, did Wadsworth call you on that? Yeah, That's how he I, did. I got the yeah, call from called Wadsworth. Me. I was like, yeah, let me get some of that. Yeah, we got a we just got a grant from law enforcement money and uh, and the fire department. We have a volunteer fire department mm-hmm. and we have a really good fire chief. And man, he's I mean he's been getting crazy grants with yeah. new trucks and new equipment and stuff. So. Um, we, we, we're just really thankful for the stuff that we've been able to get and things we've been able to do. And then, well, you can only do so much, and then it starts slowing down mm-hmm. yeah. because now you got to wait to all these different grants are spent out mm-hmm. before you can apply for other grants, especially if it's from a DECA and you want another grant where well, you haven't spent this one. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of rules and stuff as to how you can apply and when you can apply for those grants. But you know, we're still working. Uh, there's still a lot of things that that we can do, but I feel like right now, as I sit in a position, the issue is, is just roads. Mm-hmm. I think I've done pretty much everything that that I can do um, to help the community and, can t- and to continue to help. But I think if, if I had a, a list, I mean, roads would be one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I believe we probably rank them the same. <laughs> and Cordova. so it's, you know, what do you do then? You know, you just got to keep doing the things that's best for your community, continue mm-hmm. to – uh, get the information, be transparent with people, and be honest about your budgets and where your money's going. And then, you know, if what I run into is people, a lot of negative, uh, negative things that are people saying is coming from people who don't come to the council meetings. Mm-hmm. So they don't get the information, and they can they just look from the outside and see you doing one thing, and they say, well, why aren't you doing something else? That's well, right. If you come to the council meetings, then yeah, you you'll know. hear the. I <laughs> promise, I explain this. Yeah, yeah. And one thing you did at the council meetings, and it really seemed to be a thing that you did for a while, is you seemed to go out of your way to find groups that needed recognition. Yeah. Some of those people yeah. who were um, maybe working behind the scenes, yeah. maybe for years, yes. that had just never been told, yeah. thank you, yeah. here's a certificate signed yeah. by the mayor yeah. saying you really do great things for this yeah. community. Well, as a, as a mayor, neither position, well, I know mine's not a full-time job, mm-hmm. but you have to put in full-time hours. Mm-hmm. And when we're not in our office and we're doing full-time stuff, there's so many parts that makes the town move, and there's so many people who contribute to that. And when things are going good, I know I'll get a lot of the praise behind it, but when things are going bad, I'm the only one that's going to get mm-hmm that bad publicity or get blamed for it. So um, anytime that I get the opportunity to show the appreciation to those people who who really they're doing the things that I need to get done when I can't be there to do it, I just want to, when I can, I'll show them that I appreciate it. And that's really how I've been able to be successful up to this point because of the people that's around me mm-hmm. and people doing their jobs and doing the things that I ask them to do. And, and working together, and it all kind of comes together, and we, yeah. you know, it shows. That that's a big thing, and, and I think that's a shared dynamic in all yeah. of the smaller communities. Uh, mayors are important for overall direction. Yeah. You know, this is where we want to go. This is how I want to get there. Being the face of the franchise, yeah. kind of. But you're dead on, man. That clerk sitting in the office every day. Yeah. Uh, that public works guy running the crew. Yeah. Uh, the guys at the lagoon dealing yeah. literally with human waste. Yeah. Those are the ones making the whole thing tick. Oh so yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm I'm not as good at certificates as him though. So no. Tip of the cap to Mr. <laughs> yeah. Frank. Uh, you hanging in there? You gonna run again? Man, I'm gonna run again. Okay. Yeah. Think he's gonna run you off or? No, I'm a, I'm gonna run again. I think uh, you know I think this is maybe the beginning for me. Uh, I think I'll do another year, mm-hmm. uh, another term rather uh, at mayor, and then uh, you know I may see what's next. See what's next. 
know, I may be re- I may be rested by then. So hit me up and we'll we'll tag team. Something. Yeah, man, I th- I definitely think that if people want to see change in this county, it's not going to come from the people who are. Uh, I'm not going to say in positions now, but I think it's going to be a generational change. Well, and that that's inevitable. You know, yeah. uh, change agents have to be somebody different, yeah. and that's not a knock on the people that you have. Yeah, that's absolutely. just if if the voters feel like it's time to change. Yeah. You have to change the name. You got to change the name, <laughs> yeah, get, and probably the generation. And, and, at some and point, in this right? case, in this county, uh, you're gonna have to change the names. You're gonna have to change age groups. Mm-hmm. You know, you're gonna have to be diverse, and then you'll start seeing the changes that you want to see. Yeah. Uh, because for for us young people, we I mean, we don't care who owns what property. If we can get a business in here and Jasper benefits from it, and if I'm on the county commission, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. If it's everybody's gonna benefit, mm-hmm. you know, that's just kind of I don't care who is gonna be the front runner. I don't care if, if the mayor is going to get all the publicity when the commission is the one that really made it happen. I don't care. Right. You know, it's, it, what's going to be right. good for everybody. Yep. And that's, I think that attitude, uh, it's going to be a generational change. That'll, do y'all see evidence of that though? I mean, obviously y'all are two great examples sitting here at the I table, so. but do you see other people out there who seem to have the desire to want to get into public office and that kind of a thing? Well, well I think Nick Smith was, was the, the first uh, yeah. chink in the armor. Yeah. Um, and, and, and this is a tough thing to talk about because you don't want to offend people, but uh, our, our county for, for very many years has favored Jasper in all county-related matters. They just have. Sure. We've, we've built up the beast, you know what I mean? Um, obviously, my family started a business in Jasper. I see the value in Jasper. I shop in Jasper. I eat in Jasper. Yeah. You know, we're, we're all one community, in my opinion. Right. Uh, but we've angled where you had to be in some certain crowd in Jasper to get elected. Yeah. Um, you're seeing that happen. We saw it a few days ago um, with our circuit judges race. Uh, you saw a woman from East Walker County pretty much sweep the entire county wide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's so much a referendum on her opponent as it was on I think they're ready for like, hey, some of these countywide voices, we want people that are actually out and about and around the county. Right. Yeah. And I don't mean that as an insult to Jasper. I have a reason to come to Jasper, you know. I can come here and eat and, and go to Home Depot and get some lumber, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What reason do most uh, Jasper people have to come to Cordova? Yeah. Maybe watch a high school game. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, I find that maybe sometimes these people in these other pockets of the county are a little bit more in tune with the pulse of the county. Yeah. Because we're experiencing more of it, yeah. if that makes sense. We're not in, in this little bubble. Yeah. Here. You're right. So you're right. It's, it's probably inevitable, yeah. yeah. Well, way more people live outside the city limits of Jasper. Well, they do, and it's that's shown in elections. Inside. That's shown in elections. Nick Smith didn't win Jasper Mallbox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he, so if you, you win know, the county, you don't have You know what I mean? He, he hit it everywhere else, hard. He wanted the margin to be close enough for right. comfort at the Mallbox, knowing yeah. he was going to lose it. Um, and, and I think you're going to see more and more of the county deciding yeah. county elections. Yeah. Um, I think that's the way it should be. Yeah, Certainly. I just wonder, but so far there have been so few candidates in our general age group that we can sit here and, like, name them. You know, we had yeah, one, I, you know, one in the commission race this time and that kind of a thing. But, um, well, I think you're just, you're going to see, it, and you don't have to be a politician, really, mm-hmm. or somebody that's always dreamed of it. You're just going to see somebody get a fire in them and be like, you know what, I think I possess the skill set to make a difference here and, Man, and sign up. That's what I tell people. It's common sense. Mm-hmm. A lot of political jobs... It's just common sense. Well, that's not you. a big book that's gonna tell you how to do the right thing. If you got a conscience yeah. and you got common sense, yeah. you can run for any elected uh, position in I this agree. county and, and do we, a great job. We tend to, and you saw it in this election cycle too. And I know all of your mailboxes saw it the same way mine did. And I've gotten onto these guys. I got on a Nick for this. We're making our campaigns look like they're national campaigns mm-hmm. or even state campaigns. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. In Walker County. You can look somebody in the eye, tell them your vision for what you want to do and how you want to make a positive difference. You can get elected doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't have to send a single flyer to their mailbox or do a robocall or a robotext or put an ad on AL.com when somebody's trying to read the news. Yeah. You don't have to do any of that. As a matter yeah. of fact, the two ads that I saw on AL.com in selection season, both of those people lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it just, you don't have to do that. And I think think the more we come to terms with how local this can be, how local the decisions making can be, how close we can be to one another, the whole county wide. Yeah. I, I agree. And, and that's, that's why, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to bring this up. You know, I, I just created a show myself uh, called the Walker County Roundtable. Okay. And so uh, we just started um, 
big shout out to Josh Odom at JGO Films. He's the producer of my show. And um, we started the show in uh, January. And James Phillips was like my first guest. Uh-huh. And and then I had Joletta and I had uh, Chris Share. And, and um, you know, we're getting ready to do, you know, the cigar box here in Jackson. Yeah. So what yeah. we're going to do, I mean, it's, we go, it's a, it's a social media based show, right? So we go, we're going to go all over this county. And we're not, we're not just going to talk to, you know, politicians. We're going to talk to business, small mm-hmm. business owners. We're going to talk to influential people that's in these communities. It's somewhere in Sipsy, mm-hmm. you know, because everybody, every community has someone in that community that's Always. important to them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we'll have students on. And, you know, it's just a way to show people and to talk to people about the issues we have in our county, the good things we have in our county, um, and, and just kind of letting people see people from a different perspective than they always see them, whether it be newspaper or yep. You know, things like that. So, well, and always in like a campaign. Mode. Yeah, you know, let's yeah. have a conversation. Let's just have a guys, conversation. Let's just see who you are. Yeah. as a person. Yeah, um, and that's like me, man. I, if I run for anything, uh, it's definitely. I definitely think it'll be different from how everybody else does it, mm-hmm. because I'm not going to sugarcoat who I am. If I want to drink a beer or smoke a cigar, mm-hmm. or, or you may see me at the cigar box, you know, and I got a locker down there, and it's probably going to have some vanilla crown in it you know <laughs> right, you know it's right, like i'm yeah. not gonna try to persuade this big christian guy mm-hmm. and i believe in god and all that kind of stuff but i'm not gonna try to be and pers- pers- persuade you that i'm something that i'm not well, just to get it off well and you're you're uh you're hammering on whether you realize it or not a super millennial trait in yourself <laughs> so um, it's like we feel like we should be whoever we are absolutely. all the time and you just deal with it that's with just it, generational you know who my president, i'm not listen, saying it's right but it's certainly do, how do, we feel do you know who my president is <laughs> donald that, j trump is man correct. is it you like it or that you don't correct. i don't really care yeah. you know so He's I mean, the guy. He's the yeah, guy, man. And, I agree. And, you know, so, and everybody in this country supported him, mm-hmm. you know, he, enough to win. Right. So tell me what's wrong with that. Yeah. With that, that attitude. That's our system. That's how, that's you what know? we've built. And, uh, and that's how it is. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of democracy, and sometimes you don't like what they're doing. You may not like right? it, what somebody says, but. There, there's plenty of people in Cordova and Oatman that did yeah. like the mayoral results. <laughs> yeah. Last yeah. Time, right? <laughs> this is crazy, man. I, you know. <laughs> You know, just being honest, I wasn't sure about that thing. You know, it's like, uh, yeah. you know, I'm come from I'm coming from a community that's probably ninety percent white, mm-hmm. if not ninety five. Mm-hmm. You know, and then to have a, your youngest and first black uh, African American, you know, uh, mayor elected there yeah, was a big deal to some people. Absolutely. And so a lot of people didn't think it could happen. And man, for me, I think that we allow the national media and what we see on TV a lot of times to to shape our ideas mm-hmm. of what's really going on in this country and man, in a lot of cases that's just not that's just not true uh because being being black from a predominantly white community being elected mayor there it has there's i mean there's it doesn't feel any different you know everybody's everybody knows everybody yep nobody treats you any different you don't you're not faced with racial issues on a daily basis mm-hmm. or anything like that and so it's like you know, I just think that you see a lot of that stuff on the TV that they pump out for whatever reasons that they want to, and and you look, you look around, and it's like, man, we don't you don't really go through stuff like that. Well, and you can see it every election season. There's about four bullet points that they just love to throw at you yeah. that yeah. really are actually not issues in hardly ever an yeah. election. I told somebody the other day, uh, you, you made the Trump reference, on a daily basis um, for Cordovans, the man that picks their garbage up at the street is more impactful to their daily life than the man in the Oval Office, no yeah. matter who it is. Yeah. I'm not saying the president doesn't matter. I'm yeah. just, to your point, we can go local out with yeah. issues, right? Absolutely. Because Absolutely. if that garbage truck breaks down, you're sure as heck going to feel it real quick. Real quick. If the Fed cut the interest rate, hey, you might feel it over time. You didn't feel it today. Yeah, that's <laughs> you, what I tell you, know, man. I'm that, like, look, that's, think that's back huge. when... You know, Obama's president or Trump's president, dude. I'm still having to work two or three jobs, yeah. man, to take care of my family. Yeah. So, I didn't, I didn't feel any impact from either one of these guys being yeah. president. I'm not. I don't make enough money to we, to care. You know, we had Just a be uh, we had a good interview in Tuscaloosa the other day, and uh, mm-hmm. she had a friend eat lunch with us, and mm-hmm. he was um, in the Air Force, serving on Air Force One the mm-hmm. day of the transfer of power, and he said, "You know what happened at twelve o'clock?" We were like, "What?" He said, "I walked on a plane." I pulled the president of Barack Obama off the wall, and they said, just go ahead and take that one off. We don't have Trumps yet. And he said, and then I went and stood back in the same place I always stood. Mm-hmm. He said, ain't nothing else changed. <laughs> just take <laughs> a picture down. <laughs> but how fortunate are we yeah. to live in this country where we don't 
I'm not going to tell you that, that the president doesn't matter, Congress doesn't matter, yeah, the decisions right. they make don't matter. Yeah. But in terms of you know a dictator in another country, yeah, that matters, that a, matters lot, a lot, right? right? But we all have you got the same rights today yeah. as you did yesterday, right. and in, in this November, if we change presidents, you have the same rights we'll make we're in in January. Absolutely. It, it, it just it is what it is. So. You're right. Absolutely. I do want to mention this. Uh, we brought it up, or I did, in in talking to Connie, and when Ed asked a question the other night about Jaletta Barentine winning, um, you know, I said he said, you know, what do you think? That means, and I said, well, I just think it, it normalizes. You know, this is just one other barrier broken. If you've never had a circuit female mm-hmm. circuit court judge, that kind of a thing. Talk to Connie a little bit about mm-hmm. her thoughts on being so many first. You know, a first female, and her perspective is, of course, Connie doesn't want to be the first female anything. This is not what drives mm-hmm. her, and she certainly doesn't want a job because she's you know going to be the first female. Yeah. But with all that being said, the importance of things like this is. You normalize it for the people who come after you. Right. So are you conscious of, of in your community that there might have been people who, just like you, said, I'm never going to be mayor one day or, or these jobs aren't for me? Have you seen that? Have you seen people look at you and feel like, well, Corey's in that role. So now yeah. that's just what it means to those kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. young black man is mm-hmm. a mayor. That's just what it means. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm very in, in tune with with that whole first time for that, I was having this conversation. Actually, we had a Black History episode on my show, which uh, it uh, it aired this past Monday, and it's like, you know, it's 2020, and we're still experiencing the first mm-hmm. to ever, the first black to do this, mm-hmm. or the first woman to do this. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, we are so far past, we should be so far past, rather, uh, the first woman or African-American to do anything. Um, but, you know, that's still um, what it is, and I think, you know, history has a lot to do with that. Um, but uh, I don't feel any kind of, you know, any kind of way about it. It motivates me um, when, I, when I go and talk to at different events and talk to kids or girls or boys or whatever. Um, it's just now we have another example of why you can do something or why you should do something as opposed to feeling like you can't ever do it. Um, and like when I, when I interviewed Joletta and I was telling her this is uh, you know this is a big deal not just because you know you, you could be the first woman in that position but just because of all of the kids and girls who are going to see this and know that you did run and that you put yourself in this position and if you do win out there it's historic mm-hmm. it's historic man and so I'm, I'm I mean I don't have any feelings towards it I, outside of just being happy that you know, we're continuing to go in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my thoughts on that. I'm just happy that we're continuing to move in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. And you, and you touched on it a little bit earlier about talking about a little bit of diversity in the group. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so hard to get the consensus of community when your leaders don't necessarily reflect the consensus yeah. of the community. And so that's tough, you know. If, yeah. if you have African-Americans and Guatemalans and Asians and women and yeah. – um, all the all the lots you you, you need you, to have some of them in leadership roles, I would tell you right? what I think it is man I think a lot of people are afraid to have an honest conversation about race it, it, it's and terrifying racial issues uh, people are afraid of the honest dialogue and and because people don't because you when you have an honest conversation about race issues in this country you're gonna have to speak on things that happen that mm-hmm. you're not proud of mm-hmm. You, until you stand up and face it and say, you know what, I'm not proud of how things were in the past, mm-hmm. but we got to do everything we can to make sure that we don't ever go back there and we can continue to move forward. You just run into the conversation. I, I feel like me and you can have that conversation, yep. or people in our generational age group can have That's, that conversation. That was the question I was about to ask you. But when you start getting up in age and yeah. you want to have that conversation, it's like it's cemented there, and there's no change in that. And yep. no, or nobody wants to talk about it. Or sometimes people don't feel bad about it. Uh, but until you can have that honest, honest conversation, that honest dialogue about race-related mm-hmm. issues, uh, it's going to be hard to progress forward. Well, and, and, and I think the word dialogue is important there. It's not like one conversation. No, like, no. all right, Corey, we hashed it out. We're good. <laughs> no. it's, it's continual. It's yeah. forever. We always yeah. need to be aware and talking about it. And I was going to ask you, I'm glad you touched on it because I wanted to – I don't know if you noticed, I'm a white man, so I'm pretty ignorant <laughs> to matters of oppression pretty often. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer's enlightened me yeah, on this uh, is some, be interesting. Yeah. I don't know if you heard the women had a suffrage movement 100 years ago. Yeah. You should tell you yeah. more about it. Yeah, we fixed uh, that. 100 but, years ago, I couldn't vote. 
<laughs> that's, listen, that's not that long ago. No, it's yeah. not. We talked about how absurd yeah. that was. That's yeah, not that long ago. But I, I think you touched on what my opinion was of the matter. Is generationally, I feel like we're getting more in a place where yeah. the dialogue's a little more comfortable. Yeah. I found the the most discomfort in that topic maybe right about my dad's generation. Yeah. Uh, because these guys, uh, they would have come in right behind like uh, integration of schools. Yes. yes. They were right in in there. Yeah, things I got, were still hot. I got slapped in the face one time just with uh, a, a gentleman about my dad's age, black man, talked about my granddad being his coach the first time he got to play on the kid with uh, on the team with the white kids. Yeah, he was my dad's age, and yeah. I was like, "Hold on, What's man. Going on, man, can we reset this conversation? This happened then, and then yeah. you know, once I do the math in my head, my dad was born in the '60s. It's you know, like, like this, I get it. That was like, the time. That's but, not that long ago, man. But I never thought about it. I'm, not that, I'm allowed so, to just be blissfully ignorant, be okay. bopping through life. And I'll tell you this, okay? So that's your experience with your parents, right? Yeah, yeah. So my parents, right? Let's let's talk about them, where they had to grow up, and if somebody white walks down the street, they had to put their head down. Yeah, yeah. You know, my parents went through the colored bathroom, uh-huh. white bathroom, white uh-huh. only. You know, and so you wonder, well, and so when you ask the question. Why do you feel some type of way about anything that happened back then? It's because, see, you grew up and not have to. That was I, I nothing for you to experience yeah. or your parents to experience. But I did. You know, yeah. I had to grow up hearing these stories. And I say, I say like this. This is why I feel like people are insensitive to black history, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't grow up learning black history, right? Mm. And I had this conversation with somebody. I said, my daughter's 12 years old. And I kind of felt bad because I was like, you know, it's my responsibility. But... If I asked her about black history, she knew who Dr. King was. She knew who Har- uh, Harriet Tubman and Rosa Parks because those are like the high points that they hit in school. Mm-hmm. And once those high points are hit, you don't have to learn about anybody yeah. else through school. Yep. If I, I feel like if you start talking about black history in elementary school, through middle school, through high school, because black history is graphic, if you be honest about it. And I think there, right there is where you're hitting, we don't talk about. Yeah. It's ugly. It's graphic. And so it's almost like we're scared it's, to talk to our kids about it. But how are they ever going to understand what it really yeah, absolutely, was, absolutely. what it really is? And yeah. I feel like if you would start there, then people would be more sensitive to the subject. It's You can't be sensitive to something that you don't know about. Sure. How can you be sensitive sure. to anybody's feelings about anything if you don't know about it? Have you been to the uh, National Memorial for Justice and Peace in Montgomery? Ah, uh, man, listen, I haven't. I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. Ooh. I may not talk to you. Right, I go so down there and come back. You, let me tell you. <laughs> like, so don't I talk went, to me for two I days. I was down for the, <laughs> the League of Municipalities Convention, yeah. uh, not this past one, but the one year before was in Montgomery. Yeah. And I peeled off and walked over. So right there where the convention center is is kind of the, the hall. You can get your tickets there, and you, you can either drive over or walk. It's like, But real quick, walk. I've seen what you've seen. I've oh. seen it already. You know what I'm saying? I've I've already seen so, it and heard it and felt that. I don't the, I don't really want to go look at it. You I'll know what I'm saying? I'll paint the picture for you. I've already said blissfully ignorant. Yeah. You over here. Yeah. Uh, I'm by myself. I'm I'm just rolling through. I got my little pamphlet. I'm looking at everything, and I'm not like an art connoisseur. Like I don't go stand in an art gallery and look, and I'm just like moved by a piece yeah. of art. I walk in the gate, the very first installment. I'm like damn near in tears by myself, and there's all these people around me, and yeah. I'm like. All right, I got moved by art today because yeah. it did, and you just keep going through, and you're just like, my, because you you you're dead on. We talk about yeah, slavery happened. Yeah, don't show you images, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. walk in with some powerful imagery right off the yeah. bat, and buddy, it'll hit you between the eyes. This, those are human beings. You well, know? and four names down there, I believe it's four because Paul Kennedy. Sent I took a picture of the Walker County one. Walker yeah, County. so they have uh, they have installments. Uh, all sixty seven counties in Alabama have, um, I, I believe it was victims of lynching. Lynching. Yeah. And so. Walker County had four names on it, and my understanding was there was a fifth coming on the Walker County one. There was somebody okay. that was I'm not aware of this. I, I don't know if the story was contested or something, but they were they're adding mm-hmm. one now. They've confirmed, but but yeah, let's find out where those lynches were. Powerful. That, yes. That's that's what that's what I want to know because I've heard they was right yes. down here in Jasper downtown. Mm-hmm. But in, you in, to your point. It's not about like picking a scab. It's yeah. like, hey, if we're not going to be out in the open about, if you're going to tell the story, we were, let's tell the whole story. There we go. If you want your Confederate monuments to be up, hey, no problem. Put everything up. Yeah. About it. Yeah. Not just tell that. The whole story. Yeah. Tell the whole yeah. story, man. Our friend tell with it. Mary with Mary Jolly had an interesting, <laughs> had an interesting story. Story, had story about that. Uh, that's basically story. what he said. He said, "I don't care. Keep your Confederate monuments, but I mean, just throw one up to a black person every now and then." <laughs> yeah. well, and then they about, did it. 
he was talking about where he's from. He was from York. Yeah. He oh, said, that's he was country. Like, the entire county commission was black, I think, mm. where he was. Yeah. And then his city council was. And he said, and we got a third monument. Mm. He said, yeah. we just have one, too? Like, yeah. It was a real matter of fact about yeah. it. And when yeah. it happened, they put up a bust of Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks, yeah. But they did it with Helen Keller. And Helen Keller. Because right. they said, we can't just put up can't, a black monument. They couldn't just give Rosa her moment. Gotta, we had to gotta have, have, have a white one. Yeah. 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 I mean, like I said, look, this is so easy of a conversation to have. Mm-hmm. But you can't have this conversation as easy with someone who's not, I guess, ready for the conversation. Ready for the conversation. I mean, you know? Let's be real about I mean, it. I, I appreciate any time I can have a conversation like that. And, mm-hmm. and and people, it's not a it's not a point fingers back and forth. No, it's hey, just understand our differences of, of where where my culture and how we grew up and. And it's like, you know, people always, I just don't like when people say, you won't you just forget about it? You didn't have to go through it, man. I'm like, dude, that's a direct effect of where I'm at well, today. Well, you know? I was about to say, touching on your other career, the non-mayor career, the criminal justice side of yeah. it. If, if you don't want to talk about the past, then how do you expect to understand yeah. where we are right, right. now? Absolutely. Uh, it, it, Absolutely. With anything you ever do, yeah. don't you make mistakes and then try oh, to learn yeah. from them and do them differently? Yeah. How do you do that? By well, analyzing the mistakes. mistakes that you made. You, know? <laughs> you have to. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with you, man. Yeah. It's, it's going to take more and more of that. I, yeah. I hope we're in a good trajectory on that. But I, I, yeah, I think somebody at Huntsville or somewhere just made black history like a, a permanent subject. Okay. Like, and that's fantastic. Consistent. And I, I'm like, man, that's, a, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Because now kids that may have heard about some stuff, now they get to see it and mm-hmm. read it. And they're like, oh, man, I can't believe if you go talk to a 18 year old kid now, let's just say you go, you got a, if you got a cousin who's 19 or 20 years old, right, and you go tell them about four little black girls who got blown up at a church, and this was like almost normal, mm-hmm. they'll be like, dude, that's not real. Yeah, yeah. It's a very real story. That's a real story. It's not that long ago. It's not that and long ago. By the ago. way, uh, the man that prosecuted those killers sat in that chair right there and interviewed with us. Yeah, we really? Yes, he did. Him. I'd like we to shake his hand. I bet that was tough, man. Mm-hmm. That's tough. He was a pistol, man. It was in the when they ended up prosecuting him in the nineties. He was appointed by Clinton, mm-hmm. so it would have been in the nineties when yeah. they prosecuted him. Yeah. Uh, um, oof, this is good. Yeah. Well, y'all know I'm always going to throw out a book recommendation. This conversation was reminding me of one. Uh, I'm going to try to say his name carefully because I'm sure I'll mispronounce it. Ta-Nehisi Coates. He's an excellent journalist, excellent author. His first book was called Between the World and Me, and it's actually letters to his son. Um, and the black history thing uh, popped because he tells in the beginning uh, about sitting in school and watching these black history lessons and getting really mad. And it was the first time I thought about it by reading this book. The story that we like to tell in black history is about the submissives, the ones who didn't fight back. Mm -hmm. You're not going to hear so much about the Black Panthers, about Mm -hmm. Malcolm X, about some of the ones that did things that make us more uncomfortable. Um, And he tells a lot of stories in there about his experience. Um, And I imagine for a lot of people who are not informed, um, as Drew and I obviously cannot be on on issues of race, really, um, just the life that he had to live as a man of color growing up in, in a certain way, because he was in the urban area, a certain way you have to walk down the street, a certain yeah. way you have to wear your clothes, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, the age he was when he first had a gun pulled on him, that kind of a thing. So I opening book, uh, it was rough. I put it aside a few times and said I didn't want to didn't want to read it anymore. Um, but excellent book for anybody who just is hearing this conversation, is realizing maybe I don't know so much. One for real, go talk to somebody that you know. You probably yeah. know somebody, so have an actual mm-hmm. conversation with somebody. Yeah. But if you want to be more educated just in terms of reading, uh, any book by Ta-Nehisi Coates is, is a good book. Well, and the good news is it's 2020, so if you don't like to read, there are audio books. Well, there's yeah. audio books. Before we get too far same. away, man, you, you think about black history. Black history is American history. Mm-hmm. And, you know, black people weren't the only people that died during civil rights. And right. Things. There's white people who gave their lives Certainly. And, and, and marched and... And stood for what was right, you know. And I think a lot of times when you talk about those things, those people kind of get pushed to the side because, you know, they wouldn't lynched or mm-hmm. killed and handled the way that black people were. But they were still white people who, who you know, risked their lives. Absolutely. Uh, to For black people to have equal to register rights. register voters. And mm-hmm. just simple things that we take for granted nowadays, man. And I think, you know, that you have to, you know, I don't ever want to talk about black history and, I mean, unfortunately, I couldn't tell you because I, it wasn't taught to me. It was just something I've seen on my own when mm-hmm. I do my history and study. And then you see pictures and, you know, white women, white men who are getting, 
drinks thrown on them or spit on because they're walking with black people because they want to see them mm-hmm. treated fairly. So, you know, like I said, man, black history is American history. Yep. And, and, you know, it's just a part of history that we got to we got to uh, be more uh, in tune with if we want to make things better. I agree. I agree. Well, Let's move from one very serious topic to another very serious topic. Hey, we're on it. Let's <laughs> do, let's do um, it. And, and, then, and then this one may do us in, but uh, because you are a police officer and because uh, there's been so much conversation about uh, what seven police deaths is mm-hmm. in the last yeah. 13 months and that kind of thing, I just wanted to ask you to speak just in generally about what it's like to be, you know, police officer, uh, you know, in these times. Yeah. Uh, where do you think this? I mean, why this sudden rash? You know, it's been obviously a national conversation for a while, but it's hit home in Alabama recently. Yeah. Yeah. If there's any connection to that, just just in general, your it's, thoughts um, on? I mean, it's man, that's a <laughs> is that a whole another episode? No, 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 oh, man. Okay. It's, it's it's you know what we when you become a police officer, you, you know, you sign up for whatever. You don't from a day to day, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Um, but, you know, a lot of times that officers are killed, it's behind senseless things, you know. Uh, some things that just couldn't have been prevented because you're in a situation where I'm comfortable right now, um, but I don't know what this guy's thinking, mm-hmm. man, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of times you're just in a, a normal situation. You're just walking up to talk to somebody and you get shot. Um, and I think that what happened it started nationally. National news started putting stuff out about different police-related matters, and it was always uh, – they always pin it against, like, white versus black mm-hmm. or black versus white. And then, man, that created a whole different energy uh, about the police. And it didn't matter – the country was so divided, it didn't matter what color you was when you put this badge on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, it don't matter. You're all the same color. And once you put this badge on, it, you're, everybody's the same. And so nobody's not going to kill you because of what color you are. And, you know, it's like when Texas, when that guy uh, with the assault rifle was in, up in the building and he just started spraying police, he didn't care what color you were. It was just people that sometimes the media can make people so angry that mm-hmm. they'll go out and do crazy mm-hmm. stuff. Just the media. It don't have to be. You know, it's just every little thing that's put out there, the media makes it ten times worse, and they don't tell the whole story. Uh, and they'll put a story out before they get all the facts. And I think that's what led to a lot of the, the issues with police nowadays. Um, but on the, on the flip side of that, um, not every officer is a good officer. Mm-hmm. A lot of officers make bad decisions. Um, some officers are scared. Um uh, and this poorly is trained at poorly times trained at times, mm-hmm. and those two things don't go together. If you're scared and you're poorly trained, uh, um, th- you c- you're going to make bad decisions, mm-hmm. bad decisions. Um, and this it's just not a profession. Uh, you're going to have nerves, but if you're just scared, you can't do this. And and then and, and and when I talk when I when I think about police and men, you think about when I, I went to the academy with a guy back in 2011, and. Uh, he went out. He was in. We went to Montgomery. He went out to the academy four months before he shot and killed a guy, and he just got convicted of manslaughter. And maybe he thought he was doing the right thing, mm-hmm. but you know, uh, and I don't want to get into the details of that. But you know, it's just it's just so many factors that that just play a, a role in, in what you do on a daily basis. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't know how do you. When it comes to police, and I think that there there needs to be extensive training. Um, a lot of departments, man, it's so you're underpaid, understaffed, and so you get somebody who's gone for 13 weeks to the police academy. When you get back, you don't have the manpower to train them, or or you need these guys somewhere. I mean, you, that's just where we are in policing nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're it, it's just there's so many issues and there's nobody trying to fix those issues. And so you're going to continue to have the issues that you have because, you know, if people start treating us uh, the way that we should be treated and paying us the way we should be paid, uh, I think then you would get uh, a better product. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer in that. Yeah. If you don't, if you're only paying a guy $12 to go risk his life, then you're going to get a $12 police. Yeah. You, know? you can get a security guard. You want to be honest? I mean, yeah. They're going to go answer their calls, and I think any I think that uh, guys are going to go lay their life down if they have to, uh, because it's crazy. And I sometimes I, I I'm on my way to a call, and I'm thinking, dude, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. do you? I mean, you don't. 
you don't really it don't even register what kind of situation mm-hmm. you're going into. You get shots fired or mm-hmm. somebody's running or somebody's been stabbed and man, we're just running cold to get there. And it it never hits you until after it's all over, like that could have been bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's like, you know what, I have to go because in that moment you feel like I gotta go save somebody or help somebody. And I don't know, man. It's just uh I just think that I just I think it's like doctors and nurses. I think God puts us here to do a job and he puts people here to be doctors, nurses, and he put me here to be a police. Mm-hmm. And, and I've, I've met other guys with the same attitude. And, and, and I love really it. And I don't. I, I I can. I, I don't make a ton of money, but I think I'm happier making what I make now than I would be making twenty eight dollars an hour. Yeah. I, I don't think I'd be happy and satisfied doing that. I can't see myself uh, doing anything else. Mm-hmm. I, I just really can't see myself. I love my job, and so no, it's not about what I make. It would be nice to make more, but that's it, just it's just something about it that I can't explain and. I'm addicted to it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not a power thing because I, I let people go that I probably should take to jail. I mean, they're not violent criminals, but you know, you, you live in a place where you're probably we're probably the t- in the top five. If if there's five counties that that's poorest, I'm sure mm-hmm. Walker County is going to be in the top five, um, you know, and you're dealing with poor people who are going through so many things. And what good is it going to do me to take somebody to jail for an FTA? That's mm-hmm. thirty five bucks, you know, for what? I mean, you got a family. This guy needs to go to work. I'm not fixing to take him to jail for an FTA, mm-hmm. you know. Or I'm not going to – I pull somebody over and they got a little blunt in the car. They probably need to smoke it, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll take it from them and, and kick it in the ground or something and say, hey, have a nice day, man, and yeah. don't get caught out here with this again, yeah. you know. It, you you got to – you work at your discretion, right? Yeah. Now, if you got two, three pounds or something, you're going to jail. Yeah. But, you know what I'm saying, you got to make make good decisions. Uh-huh. You know, what you're going to take this guy to jail for a cigarette-sized piece of marijuana, yeah. and then he's going to lose his job, and he's trying to take care of his family. Just well, to, be, to be clear, a cigarette size of something that is completely legal in about eight, nine, ten states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let, yeah. But, you know, I'm not real, one of those guys who get hard about, up for yeah. – you know, man, oh, man, I got a little piece of weed. No, 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 yeah. brother. We got bigger issues in this county than a little piece of marijuana. Amen to that. I mean, you, you, I don't care what how what the amount of heroin you have. If, you, if I find a needle, heroin, something, meth, you're going to jail. Yeah. You know, hands down, I don't care yeah. what you got to do. Because those are things that are, those are that things that's shaping in, the social impacting, structure. Directly yeah. impacting this community. Uh, yeah. Directly. Um, and so every officer has their discretion. Every officer does that. Every officer picks and chooses how they want to handle a situation and then I respect that officer for how he handles it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think you should look at those type of things when you're fixing to take somebody to jail. Uh, do, are they a danger to society? Are they a danger to you? Are they a danger to themselves? Uh, does he have a job? Now, you know, I, I consider all those things. If you don't have a job, you're not taking, you're not taking care of your kids then, you know, you obviously you don't need a babysitter because you're out here doing these things. Mm-hmm. Now you got a little cigarette size of marijuana. Yeah, now you're going to jail. Come on, yeah. you go to jail. I mean, because yeah. you're not doing anything to benefit anybody else. Mm-hmm. So you know, you, you don't, that's how I make my decision. That's how I approach my job when I do it, and the, the other guys pr- pr- approach to how they want to do it. I yeah. I believe in my system. So <laughs> I know you attended at least and it was in a different state, but uh, several years ago you attended one of the funerals for a police officer who yeah. had been killed. Have you attended any? Yes, more past that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've been to several police funerals since then. That was the very first ones that I've ever been to. Was the two officers that was killed in the Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh man, that hit home. That was uh, the first time that I really uh, experienced law enforcement from a different perspective. Um, uh, that was the first time I realized how serious it, of a job this is that we're doing, and how quickly it can it can change. Uh, man, that that definitely changed my outlook. Um, it definitely made me more conscious and aware and uh, tactical about everything that I do. Um, and that was, I had never seen anything like that in my life. Uh, when I, I, I met guys from Great Britain, uh, New York, uh, and the brotherhood of law enforcement is unlike anything I've ever seen when something, uh, it's, it's sad to say that when you, you know, fallen officer, uh, uh, funeral or something like that happens man there's people from all over the world that come out man there was people from all over different countries mm-hmm. uh, you know people that I would have never seen and had opportunity to meet I, t- I took pictures with guys from New York City um, you know uh, California Montreal and this is back when Ferguson w- was going through their stuff yeah um, up there and they, they you know those guys came down and it was it was uh, definitely like a bonding moment for police officers that we needed 
And it was like a, something that we just felt when we was there because at that time police were being just hammered, man. And, uh, but, uh, you know, that definitely, it puts things in perspective. And, uh, you know, the law enforcement deaths are picking up. And, you know, I don't, I just think things are changing. You know, I think that um, uh, attitudes have changed and society has changed. Mm -hmm. Crime has evolved. And it goes back to everything else we talked about. We are look, fortunate. I mean, Nick is, is is great boss man, and him being young, he un, he gets it. So that's the best way I can put it. He mm -hmm. gets it. Crime is evolving. You have to evolve with crime. You have to change your tactics, right? And some departments are not changing their tactics. They're not evolving, and they're putting their officers out there to get hurt. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, I think that it's just. You know, I, I, I hate to say it, that these things have to happen to open people's eyes to, mm -hmm. to what we do. And we're back, and we are appropriately um, silenced, listening, learning, so contemplating. I would like to also take this time uh, to hand my crown over as the most woke mayor in Walker County to Corey, mm -hmm. uh, because I am, he's like in first, and then I'm super distant second, mm -hmm. like way far back. Right. Um, it's, man, that's the times we're in. Uh, the more we ignore what the story is, uh, and you love to hear people kind of throw the, oh, we got to, don't forget our history. They're trying to erase your mm -hmm. history. We're trying to erase your history. Let's talk about the whole dadgum thing. Right. We just don't like your history you wanna, so much. Want to talk about the whole thing? Um, yeah. And, and that's that's where we are, guys. If we, we want to bridge some gaps, let's have these conversations. So mm -hmm. uh, I would encourage you, if you're ready for one of those conversations, you just go down to Oakman Town Hall and find Corey. <laughs> Say, Corey. And, yeah, what's up, I man? heard you on the Left on Red <laughs> podcast. I have some thoughts. Uh, and it doesn't. It doesn't come from, I don't think, like a place of anger or anything no. necessarily. He wasn't combative at all. It's just like, hey, let's let's share let's share some info. Well, and I think as we said in the interview, so this is a generational it is. thing. Yeah. Even though, um, you know, we can still find ourselves kind of on the uncomfortable end of a conversation, for the most part, we'd rather have the conversation than not. Like, that's what we expect uh, right. of anybody who comes in this room. I think we've been pretty clear that we don't want your government officials speak. We don't mm -hmm. want to necessarily talk about the things that are going to get you reelected if you're That's a right. current politician. That's right. Like we want to talk to you as an actual individual person who walks through this world. We want to see that you have sense of humor. We want to see that you have, you know, a quick wit, some intelligence. We want to see you as a person. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that's uh, Corey brought that he was he was ready to talk about whatever we wanted to talk about. So he was a great guest for us, I think, to uh, to just have a conversation and not try to spin anything. Because oh, yeah. neither of us are a big fan of that. And, and I would encourage um, uh, the the people of the town of Oakman if you like someone that is uh, genuine and really telling you what what's going on as your leader. I might bubble his name <laughs> come August again. Well, yeah. if the municipal elections are right. they should be. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. It, it, this was the first um, mayor. Am I right on that? The first mayor we've had yeah. in here. So it was yeah. fun to get that perspective as well of somebody else who took a tiny town having some struggles that mm -hmm. most everybody had written off mm -hmm. and uh, kind of put some life in there where he could and continues to work for them. Well, and I think that's, uh, obviously, that's where he and I really just, just align. Um, what what we both found when you get into office, it's all these little bitty things that mm -hmm. you can pay attention to in your small communities that make a ton of difference, mm -hmm. you know. People are like, oh, I love that you did this and I love that you did that. And then we're both like, hey, that's kind of like bare minimum what you sh anyone should right. do in our role. So, um, yeah, I'm certainly appreciative of what he's done down there. And uh, he's he's just run me off. I'm scared. I'm not going to run anymore. Right. I know he's beating me. So <laughs> I'm out. Corey won that one. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be back next week with another pal of yours. Yeah. Uh, oh. Jim Byer Jr. Yeah. And uh, Jim is another former mayor. So, um mm -hmm. Just in case you guys aren't catching on to the trend here, I really feel like uh, mayors are a big deal. Mayors are your bros. They matter a lot. They actually impact your life much more than your congressman, your senator, your president on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe not the overall long-term trajectory at times, but day in and day out, you like your garbage getting picked up from curbside. 
uh, you may or probably was involved mm-hmm. somewhere in there making sure that happens. So. so just for those who don't know, um, he was a former mayor and also during the Governor Bentley years, he was the director of ADECA mm-hmm. and he wrote the checks. Anything that he got uh, rebuilt because of money that came along after the tornado, yeah. uh, he delivered a check at some point. That was Jim. So you guys come back for that. I don't want to do too much talking about Jim yet, mm-hmm. but uh, he'll come back for that. He's a he's a really good interview. He too. did. He's, he's a real guy. Right. I really like talking. So he's next week. We'll see you then. Left on Red is a DME Media Production. Copyright 2020, Daily Mountain Eagle.